0: Hold on one second. This is bad radio. This is such good. I know this is great radio. This is the best radio. You're seeing how the meat gets made right here. This is the. <laughs> this is the sausage. This is the sausage factory. So. <laughs>
1: Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Justin. And I'm Nathan. And today we're going to be talking about the Mizu game and what we can expect from it. So, Nathan, let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, um, I think the best place to start, as always, is with the subjective narratives sort of going into this game. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a couple of pretty strong ones that I want to hit on and just talk us through. So, I mean... And this is a, the first the first thing I want to talk about, and unlike most of the narratives, this is not something that I reject out of hand. I actually think this is a pretty um, interesting question for us going forward. The thing I'm hearing a lot about this game is, especially from UGA fans, is how does UGA deal with success? Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that's a real concern? Do you think that's something we should be thinking about? I think so. I think it's one of the, it's a new thing. Like,
1: success is new for us. and. At this level, certainly. At this level, yeah. It's, it's not new-new, but it's it's new enough. Like, we had a lot of success about five years ago, but uh, for a lot of fans, I feel like it is kind of new. And there's a mixed bag there. Like, half the fans aren't dealing with it as well as they could be. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, I think the team is actually dealing with it really well. We have, you know, bits and pieces coming out through the team, in, uh, and they're acting out here and there. But overall, I feel like everyone's doing really, really well. And what I mean by, you know, acting out was on the field getting personal fouls sort of thing
0: yeah i mean but that you know kirby's even said that that kind of sometimes you get more personal fouls when you play with an edge um, yeah and i think so i think kirby will take that um yeah i i think i think it's uh, an important thing i think uh it seems like that kirby had kirby seems to have pretty good experience with dealing with success Mm -hmm. i don't know if uh, you know, recently, you know, Mark Richt had a lot of success his second year, but it seems like Kirby's really uh, handling that part of the job, managing expectations of the team and getting his team to come, come out playing hard that he's been managing that pretty well. I mean, which is evidenced by, you know, the last, the first three SEC opponents are three opponents that it would be easy not to take seriously. Mm-hmm. And in the past, when UJ's done that, they've lost. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to come out, take people seriously, and just destroy them was heartening. It was
1: fantastic. Yeah. And I know that, like, it's hard to say this, and a lot of people wouldn't consider this to be true, but I actually feel like Kirby is more level-headed than we give him credit for. Like, we see Kirby yell, we see him yell at certain students and athletes, but when it comes down to it, I feel like he's
0: he's more level-headed than what we perceive. Yeah, I mean, I think he does have a similar saviness quality where part of his deal is that he... Is basically going to um, every time he yells, it's you know it's thoughtful. <laughs> um, basically, he's yelling. He yells for a reason, basically, uh-huh. and I think that's kind of um, I think that's why it seems a little calculated because just like Saban, it is. And actually, that that transitions that transitions us pretty neatly into our second narrative um, that I want to talk about, which is one that I do reject, which is <laughs> the talk about how close UGA is to Bama. So why do you reject it? Well, a first off, we're not. Um, we're not a, Bama. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also there's a pretty significant. I, I mean, if you look at just basically every other every measure of like holistic quality for college football teams, Bama is at a significantly higher level than UGA. Even though UGA is currently third in S and P plus, mm-hmm. there's a pretty there's a a pretty significant drop off between Clemson and UGA even, and that's just because Bama and Clemson have had four years worth mm-hmm. of good of excellent recruiting, and we've had two. And then we have two years of very good recruiting. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's a big difference. We're just not as deep as they are. And it's very, very premature. Look, if we go to the SEC championship game, I certainly will want us to beat Bama. Yeah, absolutely. You know, let's not have any illusions about what Bama is right now. They looked mortal against Texas Mm A&M, which is really the worst thing that could have happened to anyone who's (laughs) going to play them. Because they will absolutely destroy people
1: after a bad performance. Yeah. That's kind of their their whole thing, and yeah, like they did definitely look pretty mortal against Texas A and M, which that's that's their Florida almost. I feel, but
0: it, yeah, I mean, but Saban, what? How, how do you mean their Florida? In like the sense the,
1: that in the last few years, since Texas A and M has is, is coming to the SEC, they've right, always, the had, bad they they always had bad luck against. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I was like, yeah, because Auburn's definitely their Florida. It is for sure. Yeah, like they yeah. have the real substance to the the right. Right, right. But. but yeah, yeah, the team that kind of seems to sneak up on them. Mm-hmm. And Kellen Mond out there doing a really good Johnny football impression. I get that. <laughs> Um, but I, I think this is just something we need to ignore. I think that as fans, and this is a hard ask, we need to try to be kind of process focused in the same way that Kirby is. Mm -hmm. I mean, really, I think what I am happy about and what I'm heartened about narratively for this team is that we seem to be acting with a greater sense of purpose and a greater sense of professionalism. And we seem to be dealing with all of these like sort of psychological trials and travails of the season better than mark rick's team did yeah um which you know it's early we're halfway through the season so we'll see how the rest of the season goes but to this point it, he's done a very good job of it and i mean it, he's done a good enough job smart has done a good enough job of managing these expectations that we're sitting here at 6-0 and and we don't feel that it's an empty 6-0 mm-hmm. because uga has had empty 6-0s and before um where it's like well we just scraped by yeah, and also games where or seasons where we were six games in and we're like, but really did we earn that? Did right. We, is that really like who right. we are,
1: and does that really reflect uh, what this team is doing right now?
0: Yeah, and I, and I I think that both of these narratives going into the game are very natural for the state of where the fan base is. I would just say, you know, let's let's not write ourselves you know checks to go to Atlanta this year yet. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's just take it one game at a time, just the way Kirby will. So I guess now we should transition into getting in getting into the down and dirty of Mizzou. The real nitty-gritty. Yeah. So what do we know about Mizzou? Well, we got
1: stats, and yeah. that's the real truth. Yeah. That's the facts, man. We know uh, just going down their five factors real quick, we've got what Mizzou is good at right now, and it's the only thing they're good at. It's because they got Drew Locke. Um, their offense right now is ranked 43rd in S&P+. Plus. 80 in PPG, success rate's 57, ISO PPP 5, which we'll talk about plenty. 92nd at finishing drives right now.
0: Yeah. Um, so let's just focus on their offensive breakdown real quick about what that tells us, and then we'll get into mm-hmm. defense in a second. So 43 in eight and uh, 80 in points per game. Um, I think that probably tells us that, you know, the difference between those is reflected in their finishing drive stat. Uh, they have a they have an offense that can get a lot of yards and even mm-hmm. sometimes get points but they do not finish drives very efficiently so obviously they don't have as many points per game yeah success rate 57 that's just above average they're they're getting more than 3 yards about you know uh, an average amount of time and then iso ppp plus which is explosiveness plays uh, long plays they're fifth in the nation This team is, having watched a little bit of it, this team with Drew Luck is very much the prototypical Big 12 Missouri team in the sense that they are just going to throw all the dang time.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And when you say all the dang time,
1: like, he's already attempted 175 passes this year and only completed 92, but he is throwing, like,
0: shooting from the hip and just
1: seeing what lands.
0: Yeah, I mean, and if you look at their standard downs, uh, if you look at their... Uh, offensive footprint or whatever standard down run rate fifty four point five seven percent of the time mm-hmm. good for 88th in the nation so they, they the average is 59 but then if we look at their passing downs run rate uh 32.9 percent of the time 69th in the nation so they they do not throw a lot or no. they do not run a lot no, they, they, they they
1: run pretty much non-existent they are they are a throwing offense
0: yeah. yeah i mean they're if you look at their rushing um if you look at their rushing stats right now their their best player or their their best rusher this year has 449 um, yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. So That's it. this is definitely in some ways uh offensively the polar opposite of what UGA is offensively. Um but really at the end of the day ultimately even with a semi explosive offense that can do some good things although they cannot finish drives mm-hmm. um ultimately what really i think is going to be the big difference in this game and what's different about this Mizzou team from uh, former Mizzou teams that have given uga so, many, so much trouble is their defense. so let's run down those statistics real quick. 113th <laughs> 113th in SP plus, 132nd in points per game. success rate 114th, iso ppp plus 117th, finishing drives 101st. good god, not a single double digit rank yeah. in their entire defense right now. yeah, so just okay, so just by way of let me give you some some context for those numbers. So like let's take efficiency. The average the national average of efficiency is 40.4% of the time you keep your basically 40.4% of the time you keep the offense behind the chains and out of mm. being efficient, right? Their average right now is 46% of the time. So what that means is that like almost half the time they let the opposing offense be on track. Yeah. Right? Just by way of comparison, UGA's current number for that is thirty. thirty percent of the time UGA lets uh, opposing offenses be on track and be efficient. Mm-hmm. So, just you know, something an interesting thing to think about. Um, this is a very very bad defense, which is kind of weird because Barry Odom was brought in to be a defensive minded coach. He was pro- he was promoted um, out of the defensive staff of Missouri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was promoted from the defensive coordinator position at uh, Missouri under Gary Pinkle when Pinkle got sick and left. So you would think that like, um, and this is a defense that's produced Michael Sam, it's produced um, several other really good edge rushers, it's produced several like, like you know, they went to the, the SEC championship their first two years and the SEC chiefly because of their defense, even though they were a Big 12 team that, you know, and you think about offense first with Big 12 teams, but they have had... They've been very effective in the past, at the very least, rushing the passer, which is not even really something that they're very good at now. No. Right, right now, if you look at their um, st- if you look at their standard downs rates, they are currently sixty eighth in national sack average on both standards and uh, standard and passing downs. So it's like they're not even doing the thing
1: that they were th- good
0: at. Yeah, that they yeah that they have been good at in the past. And then, you know, if you look at their defensive footprint, it's, it's about as much of a slaughter fest as you would think it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, no havoc rate over 100. It's pretty much nothing that recommends itself in terms of...
1: I mean, they're keeping people down uh, on standard downs run rate,
0: which they're 26 right now. So they're, they're... I mean, I think that just tells us that, like, people think they can, they can pass against them. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, because if you look at their passing stats, like, uh, their passing footprint or whatever, 117th and mm-hmm. passing success rate. So like the national average is 40 percent of the time when a when a player throws a pass in college football it is successful mm-hmm. and they're currently giving up 47. jeez yeah having a rough go of it. yeah I mean and this <laughs> I that's reflected I mean a, a pretty good offense and a very bad defense that's what gives you the overall sP plus ranking that they have which is currently 88th. yeah I mean that and they're one in four they beat Missouri State 72 to 43. they give up 43 points to Missouri State. Mm -hmm. They lost to South Carolina 31-13. They lost to Purdue 35-3. Purdue made them look childish. Yeah, yeah. that was rough. Purdue absolutely made them look childish. They lost to Auburn 51-14, and they lost to Kentucky 40-34. I know that 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 is probably, listening to that, you probably think that this statistical profile just kind of backs up what your assumption about this game is in the first place, which is, and when when I say you, I don't mean Justin. I mean the listener, Mm -hmm. um, which is that we're just going to wreck them. That might be true, but I think there are some stats worth highlighting and some things that we can think about going into this game. You know, it's really funny
1: that uh, I, I like it when you define the, the general you on the show because mm-hmm. you're like, well, this isn't a show about just teaching Justin about football.
0: This is a show about <laughs> teaching everyone, <laughs> everyone about football. Everyone gets to learn about
1: football. Not to say I, I haven't learned a lot. I have indeed learned a lot about football over the, the last 15 episodes, which we've done 15 episodes, Nathan. I know. That's, I feel pretty proud. Pretty proud. 15 episodes in. We're just young upstarts compared to waiting Since Last Saturday. That's okay. We'll get there. They only do one episode a week, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Man, they burnt us on their last episode um, with some, like, Dom Draper stuff where they were like, we don't think about you at all, which I think is pretty indicative of where they are because there are a lot of white men in this country who are just, like, arrogantly ignorant about the fact that someone might challenge them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels about par for the course. <laughs> It's like you don't think about me at all in the same way that every senator won't think about global warming. So I guess you know, fine. That's I don't know what you're proving by that. Just um, putting that out there. Yeah. So yeah, let's move into. <laughs> with that being said, let's move into. Yeah. So some, some stats. UGA stats. Yeah. What are some stats that are worth highlighting on both sides here? So we yeah. kind of we we know who Missouri is as a defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got one that I want to talk about uh, with Jake Fromm. Let's see. Is there anything else you want to hit before we do that?
1: Uh, I don't think so. We can start talking about stats worth highlighting because that will help us understand what we need to do to win this game. Yeah. You did touch on the fact that teams think they can throw on this, this team. And so that's worth noting because our our passing game hasn't been exactly what we wanted it to be yet. Yeah. It's been efficient,
0: but it hasn't really been dominant. Right. Okay. So, so- let's talk about it. So, before we get into the from, let's talk about uh, some UGA defensive numbers. Passing yeah. down success rate defensively, 24%. So, that's tr- good for 26th in the nation. Mm-hmm. Passing down ISO PPP plus uh, is 19. It, we're ranked 19th in the nation. Which is so, great. Yeah. So, very good pass defense to this point. So, the reason I wanted to highlight those stats is because I think they kind of, my impression is that those stats have been slightly inflated by us playing bad quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. To this point, Drew Luck is probably the second best uh quarterback that we will have played behind maybe brandon Wimbush, and yeah. he is actually probably the best passing quarterback that we played this year
1: he's the most traditionally passing quarterback i feel
0: i mean yeah in the sense that he will just pass like yeah he will, he will probably pass 50 times mm. against us on, um on saturday that's insane i mean he i if you look it's at true his, yeah if you look at his numbers he's done that yeah his attempts or whatever yeah. it's 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 pretty crazy right now like his his uh, uh 175 attempts 92 completions Jeez. 13 t- touchdowns six interceptions 52.6 completion rate, <laughs> which honestly, with 175 uh, percent or 175 attempts, is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, okay, so going back, the the reason I brought this up is because I I really think that those numbers are a little bit inflated. I'm not. I don't feel super confident about uh, where we are as a passing defense right now. Um, mm-hmm. we've had a lot of plays where someone got beat. And then they were able to close the gap and make a play right at the last second, or yeah. the or the wide receiver dropped the ball. I'm thinking of like um, the first play of the Notre Dame game on that flea flicker. Dominic Sanders gets beat. There were a couple of times Marquez Callaway got beat, and um, again in the Tennessee game, and uh, Dormandy just couldn't put the ball where he needed to. Yeah, or where Marcos Calloway beat someone. Um, so I. I am I will be interested to see what their passing down success rate looks like against us. I will be interested to see what their passing success rate looks, ag- look, looks like against us just in general. I mean, their current passing success rate is uh, 40%, 76 in the nation um, because they're throwing a lot of deep balls. But if, mm-hmm. we, if they go over that on us, um, that's certainly, it's not concerning, but I think it just kind of proves the fact that we have a ways to go on passing defense. And this yeah. is something that actually, like, Kirby has... Kirby has brought up himself that that is a problem.
1: It is a real problem. It's it's probably where we're actually the shallowest on our depth chart, yeah. I feel, in the cornerbacks and the the safeties and whatnot. We don't have a lot to, to move around if anything goes wrong. Well, I
0: mean, yeah, we have some... Fre- I mean, it's like we have very, very talented freshmen, Yeah. but the drop between experienced seniors who can hold together a defense and freshmen who are talented but don't know what they're doing, it's a pretty quick drop, mm-hmm. and so... Yeah, I I just I think that's a number that we should be keeping a lookout for. Is like, what do Drew Luck's numbers look like? Just, not just in the traditional stats um, areas, but like, what is his uh, success percentage? What is he looking like ISO PPP wise? What does he look like on long plays? All of those things will tell us, will give us a little bit more accurate test of this defense. Okay, I've just been informed that I've been saying Drew Luck, but it's actually Drew Luck, uh, <laughs> which is uh, appropriate because. I don't ever say anyone's name accurately. The only ones you really care about are the UGA boys. Well, I mean, and really what this (laughs) proves is that I pretty much consider Drew Locke to be, like, one of my students. Because I don't get their names right either pretty frequently. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, second stat that I want to point out. So, let's look at um, Jake Fromm. So, you know that I've been riding and dying on this, like, let's not say that the quarterback controversy is closed yet. I've been writing and dying on that for two or three weeks now, and I, wanna, I want to I wanna point out why that is. So mm-hmm. if you look at Jake Fromm's completion percentage by down, first, first uh, down 71%, pretty good. Actually, excellent. Third down 55%, also very good. Uh, third down being the most usually the most obvious passing down situation. You don't expect it to be that high. That's good. Second down 41%. Um, second down also is the lowest QB uh, rating that he has at a 66, which is not good. So the reason I want to point this out is that I think it is indicative of what we've seen from from if he's throwing off the play action pass, or if he's in a passing situation, which is to say, you know, we're going to give him the play that he needs to get the first down, right? We're in third and six or whatever. He can do it. Second down is the down where a lot of times you see you see one of two things. You either see deep shots on second down or you see intermediate stuff over the middle to get the first down. Mm. His completion percentage on second down, what I'm inferring from that is that he still has not developed that intermediate game. He's thrown beautiful deep balls. He's uncorked a couple of really nice passes. He does a really good, he, he sells a really good play fake. But I have not seen him do an intermediate over the middle down the sidelines just little like sort of nfl style throws that you need to be able to do to be successful yeah and i think this is kind of evidenced by the fact that he hasn't had to have a two-minute drill situation yeah how good do you feel about him on the two-minute drill
1: uh so this is pretty pretty funny too the second and third down ratings actually prove kind of my feelings on jake from in the sense that in these situations where he has a lot of pressure on him he can't necessarily make the plays and that just comes from experience, I feel. You have to do it over mm-hmm. and over and over and over again before you feel
0: comfortable enough to pass on plays where you're expected to pass. Yeah, and, and that that's that's a really good way of uh, phrasing it because it's like, if there are plays there to be made, he is making them. Yeah. Like that. Um, the long bomb to Godwin and Vanderbilt. That yeah. was a play where Godwin beat his man and Godwin was open and Fromm hit Godwin in stride, mm-hmm. which is, that is not nothing because even Ethan has had problems with that. Yeah, The question is... When the play is not there, can Fromm make it? And we've seen a little bit of running, and that's fine. That's a a very important aspect to his game, and I think that's something that he brings that Eason doesn't, but I just have not seen the level of sort of just, okay, so uh, this is obviously pretty subjective, but think about when we had Aaron Murray, Um, or even last year with Eason. It's in the fourth quarter, you got like four minutes left, we're down less than a touchdown. You feel very comfortable with Aaron Murray in that spot. And even last year, like, when we got the ball back against Missouri, I was like, we got a chance here, yeah. right? Because, like, Eason, like, has the whole playbook open in that moment. Mm-hmm. I don't think that Fromm has the whole playbook open, and I don't think it's just because he's a freshman. I think it's because there's some things he just doesn't have the arm for yet, and he doesn't have the decision-making to be able to throw those those balls that are harder for him to throw because he doesn't have the arm for. Yeah. He very well may start for the rest of the season, but I just, I don't, I think people who think, if you're saying, well, you can't anything about, I've said this before, but if you're saying, well, you can't do this about anything involving a football coach, you are very wrong, right? Football coaches are autocrats. Saying that they can't do something, is sort of challenging them to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm. I would be very careful to say, oh, well, you can't take out From. Like, well, first off, who is you? Yeah. If you're saying, like, the two of us, yes, we cannot take out From because we're not the head football coach. But if you're saying, can Kirby take Fromm out? Yes, that's the point. Can, that's yeah. why he's the head football coach, yeah. right? So I, I, I would just caution everyone to just sort of pump the brakes here for a minute on um, whether or not we are going to take Fromm out or not. So anything you want to pull up from... I put some Mizzou stats down, but is there anything there that kind of catches your eye? I definitely... This will
1: kind of transition transition us into things we want to see, things that I've written down, and I think, yeah, a little bit from what what you've talked about, too. Just their ISO PPP is what I'm most concerned about. It's the only stat that looks exemplary, Mm -hmm. and it's because they shoot from the hip, like I said before. Uh, They shoot until it it hits, you know? Yeah. And so, just like Michael Scott said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, and in true Missouri form... You uh, hit about 20% of the, the shots you do take, is what they're looking
0: for. Which is pretty good. Yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> I mean, on, on explosive plays, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty
1: fantastic. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, um, that translates directly into explosive plays. So, and I think that's something that we're not as good at as I'd like for us to be good at. So we saw that in the Vandy game last week. The points we gave up were given up on uh, balls over the top. And uh, two to receivers that were making... Uh, Running behind. Yeah, putting a little distance between them and their, their cover.
0: Yeah, I mean, and it, like, that's the thing is, like, we're very good at explosiveness overall, fourth in the nation at mm-hmm. plus. But if we look down at our passing ISOPPP, eighth in the nation, so, like, obviously still good, but that is not... I mean, that, that eight number is, like, awesome, but it's at the same time, it's not, like...
1: I don't feel like it's truly indicative, because, like you said before, we haven't played true passing quarterbacks yet
0: well yeah and it, that that number is below a lot of our other averages right yeah. like eight is amazing and awesome but again like efficiency wise we're what fourth yeah you know what i mean overall defensive I, um, s&p plus we're fourth so it's like that is that is below our average so it's just something to keep note of mm-hmm. anyway and it's something i imagine they will try to uh kind of dissect in a way
1: but maybe i, I don't know if i'm giving them too much credit but if i were Missouri right now, I would definitely want to rely on our weaknesses, of course. So uh, trying to throw on us because they're, they're going to try to put as many points up as possible because their defense can't hold us. Right. Their defense this cannot is, hold They do
0: not game. want this to be a
1: low-scoring game. No. It's going to be a high-scoring game on both sides, maybe. Or,
0: or they they would like it to be. They would like in, for in it a to c- be. In, in a scenario wherein they upset us, which I don't think is likely, but in that scenario... You know, I think it's more like a 45-42 game than it is a 17-10 game. I think that's very unlikely to happen. But I think
1: the the points they do make are going to be made on explosive plays where we're caught with our pants down, so to speak.
0: Yeah, the projected margin for this game is 27 points. Which is also the second highest margin in UGA history, I will tell you. I'm all about that history oh you mean oh the for the spread yeah. i'm talking about the s&p plus oh i'm sorry i was looking at the spread Now s&p plus is 27 points but what's the spread right now it's 31 it's 30.5 30. i think oh yeah that it, it, it may have gone up to 31 since i've seen that so that's stat. pretty crazy that's yeah. about the highest you'll ever get without it just being like no line mm-hmm. all right so yeah let, let's talk about things we want to see yeah let's transition into that so what 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 do you want to see so i definitely want to see more pressure on drew lock auburn only put a single sack
1: up on the board. And I think it's probably because they were looking for more interceptions over the top because, of course, an interception is is worth more to your team than a sack is. Uh, but out of 39 attempts, only putting one on the board, I think, is kind of kind of abysmal in a way. And they only put up two Havoc plays overall as well. So I think that we've got enough talent to kind of spread the defense over the field and to put pressure on the, the quarterback as well. So I definitely want to see more from, from our backs in that sense. And we do have a, a, a couple fantastic outside linebackers and Carter and Bellamy that can definitely, I think, put pressure on this guy and get some some tackles for a loss, for sure.
0: Okay. Okay, so one thing I want to see... Um, so what we're going to do is we're just going to go back and forth kind of saying things that we want to see. These are not things that we think are going to happen. These are things that we would like to happen. So the first thing I want to see is I want to see at least two Jacob Eason drives with the ones. Okay. And I would prefer that those were in the first quarter, or the first half. And here's why. Regardless of whether or not you think Eason is going to take the job from Fromm, you objectively should prefer that Eason is here over the summer to at least compete for the job. Yes. Because he beat Fromm for the job before. Now, he might not, right? But you want him to be here. And the way that you get him to stay through spring is you have to show that he has a legitimate shot at getting this job back. And the only way you do that is you put him in with the first-team offense. Mm -hmm. You'll notice that, like... For instance, on, on Jacob Eason's sack, uh, which was a fumble, which was then turned into uh, you know Vanderbilt's second touchdown on the game, uh, Brian Harrion just totally whiffed on a block. Right, yeah. He went out when he wasn't supposed to, and Eason got blown up on the blind side. Mm-hmm. Eason shouldn't have held the ball that long, but with the first-team offense, with Nick Chubb, who is one of the best pass-blocking backs in the nation, it's unlikely that that happens. Mm-hmm. So I really think that we need to see at least... At least one, but I would prefer two drives with Eason with the ones in the first half.
1: I can imagine that's really frustrating as Eason, too, is that just playing all last year with the ones, and then this year he has to kind of... Yeah. You really see what he's made of in a way. Um, but I say that, but then I don't want people to think that what he's made of is, is sacks and, and whips, right. you know. But well, I, I mean, I don't the, fact think that,
0: the, the fact that he's, by all accounts, had a really good attitude about it shows you what he's made of, I think.
1: Yeah, and I think listeners definitely know how we feel about Jacob Eason. Yeah. I want to see us make Mizzou run the ball, because I think that's what they're weakest at. And I know that that's going to be a really hard thing to do, and I'm, I'm not sure how we're going to make Mizzou run the ball. But I think we'll definitely see more turnovers if they do run the ball. And I think that'll probably be just from playing conservatively, offensively in the first half, make them run a little bit more, because I think their key to success in this game is going to be mixing it up a bit, not necessarily just relying on Drew Locke, but definitely getting him to kind of run close to that, that 500 line on runs and passes. Mm -hmm. and definitely playing uh giving some play action and actually handing the ball off more so so if they move the ball around a bit more on offense i think that they have a better chance of doing better i want to see us make them run the ball yeah so
0: if we can just i mean if we shut them down enough if we have enough turnovers if we rattle luck enough that they stop lock enough god if we (laughs) rattle lock enough that they stop trying to pass as much because he's so rattled like that's a very good sign for us Mm mm-hmm I want to see Nick Chubb not get touchdown faltered. Yeah. So here's the thing. And this is, I get why this keeps happening. But what keeps happening is you have, like, Nick Chubb down the field for eight yards to play. And, you, we, like, we've had several Nick Chubb drives this year where Nick Chubb has gotten the ball five or six times in a row. He's gotten five or six yards of play. And he's gotten us all the way down to the red zone. And then we pull him. Mm-hmm. Which makes sense because we're trying to keep him fresh. But I just really want to see... I want to see a couple of long Nick, Trubb, Nick Chubb touchdowns. Yeah, he's had a couple where he's been real close, and he's had a, he's had some intermediate touchdowns from twenty and thirty. But I really want to see one like uh, the only good play from the Alabama game and uh, two years ago, where it's just like Nick Chubb up the middle for eighty-five yards. <laughs> um, and and or I would like to see a drive where we just feed Chubb the whole time, and he go and he basically you know runs the ball nine times for eighty yards and a touchdown. Yeah. That's And that's mainly just because I love Nick Chubb and I want to see him elevated even more than he is because I think that we even... and No Georgia fan is ever going to say a bad thing about Nick Chubb, but I even think that we a little bit underestimate how much he's meant to this team in terms of leadership Mm -hmm. and in terms of just... It is such a luxury to have a back that you are like, okay, we can give it to this guy on any given play. And he probably... A, he's not going to fumble. And B... He's very likely he's very unlikely to lose yards. Mm-hmm. So and that is actually its own luxury. I like Nick Chubb a lot. He is a low risk player in terms of like give him the ball, he's gonna get you a couple of yards. Even even his wor- his worst case scenario is just kind of neutral, which is like an incredible thing to have as an offensive coordinator.
1: This is something we'll probably talk about more so later in the year, but even with this uh this very conservative uh pass the ball around to all your your tailbacks game plan we've had all year, since we have five of them. Do you think Nick Chubb is still going to go probably first round in the draft, early second?
0: Uh, I don't think he'll go first. No? Um, I think that we'll, I think he would go, I think second is his best case scenario. Yeah. I could see him going third, mainly just because he has an injury history and, you know, people get a little skittish about that with running backs and running backs have been a little devalued in the NFL lately. I think you'll see a lot more play in the NFL too if he, he will end up going to the NFL. I think he'll be, oh yeah, yeah. And I think he'll be good in the NFL. I just think that um, the NFL draft is the worst. Yeah, <laughs> so it definitely is. What else
1: do we want to see? I'm worried. Uh, so this is what I don't want to see, really, but I know that we're going to see it. I'm worried that the the shoot from the hit passing game is eventually going to wear our, our, our corners down, and it's going to make them slip up because we haven't seen a team pass this much on us yet. And so I, I need to see our, um, our linebackers, our outside linebackers, putting more pressure on this O-line to keep Locke frazzled. So I, I definitely want to see more pressure, more havoc plays, because there hasn't been a whole lot of havoc. Um, Havoc plays from any team that's played Missouri. It's kind of in the average of like two and three Havoc plays per game. Mm-hmm. And so I think that if we keep him on his toes, he's going to move around a lot more, which is going to shake up his, his passing game, and which will eventually lead to them having to run the ball a bit more. So that's what I'm hoping to see.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I I think that's a, that's a really astute observation because... It's it's to this point this season our cornerbacks have only had to cover three or four seconds of play yeah because we've been really good about getting pressure and even if we haven't gotten that many sacks we you know we'll, we put people in your face we make it hard we we collapse the pocket so yeah can they hold up on those five and six long se- second long plays mm-hmm. that's an interesting question um which leads to your last point how do our key our our cornerbacks stand up in single coverage we are going to put dudes on islands um one of the big. So when you're looking at the quote-unquote Nick Saban three-four, uh, the kind of it's actually also the Bill Belichick uh, one-gap three-four, which they both developed together at the Browns, which is weird. Um, <laughs> but if you look at the Saban one-gap three-four, one of the one of the real like kind of hallmarks of what Saban has done over the last few years is he plays a lot of what they call cat coverage, which cat coverage is literally the joke is it's like, do I have better cats than you have? Who has better cats between us? And cat coverage is where you basically just like you put one single high safety and then one corner or one defensive back for each um, for each wide receiver. So like, you know, four dudes in the back and you just put seven dudes in the box to run around and stop the run. That is also something that Kirby has been fond of. And part of our success has come from the fact that we've we've played really good cat coverage this year Mm -hmm. because uh, we just have cornerbacks that are kind of feisty and will stay stick with you and put hands on you. And so um, that's been pretty good so far. But we have not played a quarterback who is this good this yet. I don't think passing wise. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll be interested to see when we put dudes on islands, or even like when we play pattern match coverage and we're handing guys off, um, and we've got five guys in the pattern that we have to defend, and we're handing them off between you know inside linebackers and cornerbacks and safeties. I just am really interested interested to see like how consistent are we at playing against this offense in the defensive backfield, and that doesn't just mean like how many plays do we get give up. It also means You know how many busted coverages are there? Because honestly, like a a busted coverage in which the uh, cornerback or the quarterback doesn't see it and doesn't throw the ball is almost as bad as one where he does, because at the end of the day, that's still on film for your opponents to see. And so that's kind of that's what I that's what when I rewatch the game tape on Sunday, that's what I'll be looking for. I think it's really
1: neat talking about game tape that you know one of my uh, my biggest conspiracy theories at the beginning of the season was. The, the idea that Kirby Smart and Jim Chaney are moving this game around so much in terms of playbook. Note, no one tape is like consistent. Like every tape of the team is good, but you see different stuff every, every game that's specifically catered to the team that we're playing, which I think is really awesome. And it shows kind of our depth and kind of just our capacity to play well and the talent on this team to adapt so much every single week. Last thing would be, let's move into our Chapel Bell curve overs and unders. So you yeah. want to lead us off?
0: Yeah, so what we're gonna do here is we're gonna uh, we're gonna pitch over unders to each other, and we're just gonna say over under these numbers, just as sort of a, this will give you an idea of where what we're thinking about predictions for this game and what we think about those predictions. So here's my first one, over under one and a half Jacobi some drives in the first half of this game. So you think that he's gonna come out in the first half? Well, I mean, I'm just asking pick over and under that number.
1: Oh, I th- I don't think it's gonna happen. My 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 first over and under is actually I didn't give you a number, but I said we have. No Eason drives in the first half. <laughs> I think the only way that happens is if we put up three touchdowns in the first half, and then we might see him before the, the half is over. But I don't think, I've, I've read some articles, people are saying he's going to start, or he's going to come out and split snaps with, with
0: Fromm, and I just don't think that's going to happen. Okay, so um, you're saying under. Then. I'm going to say under, yeah. Okay, so I'll, I'll say over. I think we might get, I think, I think I'm think i I'm fairly confident he'll get one, and I think it's possible he'll get two. Yeah. All right, What's what do you got for me?
1: Uh, there was that one, and then over under, Lorenzo Carter and Davin Bellamy combined for three sacks.
0: I will say I'm going to say under. Under.
1: I I want to say under just even though I put 3 sacks up, but I I really want that to happen. I want them to combine
0: somehow <laughs> for 3 sacks. Yeah, I I say under but the only reason I say under is cuz I think we're going to bring pressure from other places just from just the linebackers. Yeah. Over under 1 Nick Chubb 50-yard touchdown. Over. Oh, I think nice. over. Yeah. I think that that
1: your dreams are going to come true. They are, are better run, run defense. I think Chubb's going to tear him up. I don't think we'll see Chubb after the sec- like after the half. At least that's, in in my heart of hearts, that's my dream that could come true, is if Nick Chubb goes for, like, two really big plays in the first half, he gets those touchdowns and says, Peace! Uh, Next over and under, I've got two interceptions from linebackers before the half. Ooh, that's brave.
0: Um, But if this guy's throwing at least 20 throws before the half... It's possible. It's possible. I would... I'm going to say under, but mainly just because I think that we're going to be in dime defense so much, there are going to be a lot of linebackers on the field. Mm -hmm. Now... I mean my dream scenario is that it's over and it's all three of them to Raquan Smith because I love him so much. <laughs> but I just I don't know how much that we're gonna see two inside linebackers on in the field really. Um all right, final one for me. Over under two hundred and fifty yards for Drew Lock. Under Ooh. No, I no wait. Mm, let me think about that for real. All right, so just just for the record, so as of right yeah, now, I know. we're six games <laughs> in and he has fourteen hundred and seventy yeah, yards. I think which that... if you average that out, over six games Drew Lock has four uh, fourteen seventy yards um which give which that gives him an average per game of 245 yards so to hit 250 he'd have to be right at about his app but the question so so the question is over under does drew lock have an average game for him or do we hold him to something less than that
1: but with that in mind too like that's that's the bulk of their offense how much so with that in mind how much do we give out on average for a whole team like total stats
0: um so passing wise uh we've given up 940 yards this season passing for 56.7 uh, completion percentage and we're averaging 156 yards a game okay so that would be for him to hit 250 that would be significantly over what our average is but it would mm-hmm. be right about what his average is so the question is just to me you know are we going to hold him to under his average day
1: but also his completion rating is right there on that average, too. It's like, that's the same. His yeah, yeah. his completion average is 52.6%. So, so basically
0: what you're saying... So like, basically the difference would be... Are his plays doing, explosive? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That The difference is, is, is he throwing deep? Yeah. So over or under 250, what do you think?
1: That's tough to say. I think it's still under, but I think that he'll get dangerously close to it. Because if he is making plays, they're going to be deep plays. Yeah. I think that's the only play he's going to be making.
0: Well, I think if he throws... A, if. I mean, we've seen all year. If you throw across the middle on this defense, you're going to get lit up. Yeah. If you throw short, uh, we've got guys who can hit you. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm I going to take under, but I would say that he probably, he'll get to 200. Like, if you gave me 200 on this, I'd, give you, I'd say over. I think that's the stat I'm most
1: shaken up about. I think all the other ones, as generous as they may be, that one's the one I'm, I'm most scared about. Is yeah. that if he does go over 250 yards, I think that... This team is putting up a lot more points in us than we want them to.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, let's be honest, like three points is too much for us. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, if he goes, it'll be interesting to see because I, I could see a world where he goes for over 250 and we win, but we're all like, oh, that was too close. Yeah. Or I could see a world where he goes over 250, but they're really bad at finishing drives, and it just doesn't matter. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, are those yards garbage yards? Where are those points coming from? Yeah. yeah. And, Field and then, goes yeah, little we'll touchdowns. I mean, we can, we're going to go to the predictions in a minute, but, I mean, honestly, I could see this being the game where we're all like, okay, well, we won, but, man, that was a little bit... We didn't get exposed, but that made us... We, we were way more nervous about that than we mm-hmm. should have been against a bad team. And if they do that as well as we're kind of afraid they they may do, if they are as explosive as they they are,
1: then all of our ESEN predictions are... Are all out the window because he's not playing yeah because we want to keep putting points on the board
0: unless unless that it's close because Fromm has a bad game yeah which seems unlikely against this defense because they're bad but yeah um but you know having said that i could see that kind of scenario where it's like way too close but there's also a scenario wherein you have a couple of ball- tipped balls go your way mm-hmm. and he throws two interceptions in the first half and we've run away with it i'm looking for it well we'll talk about this but like uh, we'll, we'll do our picks next, but I do want to talk about one thing real quick. Okay. So we're 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 quickly approaching the point of the season where um, our superstitions are going to get into play, uh, and it's like you don't want to talk about the perfect game when the perfect game's being pitched. And I'm totally cognizant of that, and we're not gonna, we're going to try not to step on too many people's toes. But I pride myself in being a rational person when it comes to predicting sports, so I'm gonna I'm gonna predict what I think, even if it's too positive, um, even if that feels like that's jinxing us. So, let's talk about our predictions.
1: Uh, I do, do you, want to point out, I think it's really funny you said, we're coming to the point of the season where our, our uh, what did you say, our our superstitions. our superstitions come into play, and really that just means that we're two weeks away from Florida for Nathan.
0: Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's all I'm of sorry, your superstition. Exact, I'm sorry, that's exactly what that means. Yep. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, so am, yeah, a, I'm a broken man on some level.
1: <laughs> I am fortunate enough to have become a fan after those like five years of being just Florida's mistress in a way like florida came into town and that was jacksonville, delicately phrased yeah they, they came in and said georgia we're here and then we we came
0: st- we showed up over yeah we showed up in our ninety for a booty call or whatever <laughs> yeah i mean sort of my formative years as a dog fan and i hate to make anyone feel old but my formative years as a dog fan were sitting in jacksonville while tim tebow took a victory lap on us after dropping 40 so i uh i definitely i have some ptsd about this about this game um, that has not been fully processed. So fair. predictions, what, what do you got for me? So this is where it kind of goes. Either the first half goes fantastically,
1: and then we begin to pull our ones out slowly but surely, and we don't score as much as we think we're going to, or the first half they put up enough points to where it matters enough and we keep our ones in. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like to me is they're at 14 in the first half. They get 14 points in the first half. We only get maybe 21, 28. And then we just kind of steamrolled in the second half. And in that scenario, in that timeline, I see us going 42-14. So the first half is not as good as we want it to be. and the second half, we come back out swinging because so Kirby brings a, in the locker room. and
0: This is kind of a Vanderbilt game.
1: Yeah. So 42-14 is kind of my prediction. Um, I also don't think, I think they're going to get a few explosive plays and they're going to get touchdowns on those, but I don't see them getting field goals, even yeah. though their finishing drive stats says otherwise, I know.
0: You know, it's funny. We, we actually are predicting a very similar score, but I think mm-hmm. we're going to get there different ways. I'm yeah. saying 42-17. Okay. I think that this looks to me, I just don't think they're going to have the ball that much because even if they're successful, their their rush defense is so bad that we're just going to have sustained drives on them all day. Mm-hmm. So what I feel like is going to happen is that we're just going to crush them in the first half. We're going to come out and crush them in the third quarter. And then when we get to the fourth and we have the seconds in, they're going to get some garbage points. Like yeah. I could see us going into the fourth like 35 to. 10 okay and it's very comfortably out we got the seconds in and then drew locks back drew locks back up throws <laughs> for another touchdown against our third string defensive backs yeah i think it's going to be a around i okay. think that it'll be 42 17 but it won't be that close this has been chapel
1: bell curve you can find us on itunes google play and pretty much anywhere you can subscribe to a podcast you can get in touch with us on facebook by searching chapel bell curve by email at chapel at gmail.com and on twitter and instagram at chapel bell curve as well you can pretty much find us anywhere that you just search chapel bell curve for uh last week we also had somebody send in a question and we read it on air and answered it and so you're more than welcome to also send us questions that you may want to hear us answer on the air as well we'll give you a quick shout out and answer it
0: yeah and we really uh we i just want to say we really appreciate it we're never going to turn down a question even if it's silly yeah the, there, well actually there's no such thing as too much silly because honestly like when we're dealing with stats stats are something that no one understands very well, including yeah. me, or most people don't. And so we'd be we'd love to interpret anything for you, or if you have a question or you're just confused about something you said, just go ahead and hit us up and we'll talk about it.
1: Yeah, let us do the footwork for you. Also, go check us out on chapelbellcurve.com. It has all of our new content, our blog posts, our episodes, Twitter feeds, where Nathan rants all the time and posts really good gifts uh mm-hmm. any, anything we find relevant throughout the gifts, gifts. For, for the people
0: waiting since last saturday it is gifts and not gifs does somebody say gifs i mean i assume that it's it, will Leach. people over, no i i don't know that they do i'm just assuming because they're white guys and most they're all over 40 <laughs> uh i'm just kidding will leach is a,
1: a social media guru and i feel like he probably says gifts. it yeah, probably um, does probably uh if you enjoyed today's episode though please leave us a rating and a review it helps us out tremendously and it helps us know that we're doing well uh just like anyone else we like affirmation or if you just want to trash us that's fine too because nathan has said many times that he can handle it Uh, he teaches kids all day for you know
0: well i hate feeds the dog so really like every time every time you hate me you just make me stronger
1: that's true whatever doesn't kill you makes you just that much stronger yeah
0: i'm like emperor palpatine
1: but yeah anyway uh we hope to see you guys very soon and until then you can catch us in the classic city and until then go dogs go dogs